Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 uh, through to 20. And before we look at God's word today, let's just join together in prayer. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of coming around your words together, your word which is a living word, your word which is sharper than a two-edged sword and which can pierce us to the quick. And we pray, Lord God, that as we meditate upon your word today, that you would be with us, that you would give us understanding and that we would know of your presence through your Holy Spirit. So, Heavenly Father, reveal yourself to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, people often say these days, don't they, that there's nothing good to watch on the television. That's true, isn't it? People often say that, there's, there's nothing good to watch on the television, and that's despite having more channels than ever these days. You have so much choice And yet, I wonder if you're the kind of person that flicks through trying to look for just something uh, to watch. And when people watch the television, the the common refrain is, what a load of rubbish. It's either repeats or just a load of rubbish that's on the television. And perhaps you are one of those uh, people. Now, I make no comment on that uh, in particular. I'm not a great television watcher uh, anyway. I just tend to watch what the boys have on or what Anna's got on. Uh, And I make no particular comment on the TV program I'm about to share with you, which is this one. Have you seen this one? It happens on a Saturday night, and it's called The Masked Singer. Maybe you've seen it. And maybe it's something you enjoy, and that's, that's great. Now, the premise is that there are uh, all different celebrities, and they are dressed up in different costumes, and you can see some of the costumes uh, there, some which are quite elaborate, so there's a panda, a traffic cone, a snow leopard, uh, etc., lots of different uh, costumes. And no one knows who the celebrities are, and so uh, they go out onto the stage and they sing And they give other clues as to who they might be. And the panel, the celebrity panel who is there, and everyone else is trying to guess who this person is. And sometimes it's someone who's a professional singer, and you can tell that by the way that they sing. Sometimes the person clearly isn't a professional singer, and that's pretty obvious uh, too. And it's a different uh, celebrity from a different uh, field. So really, The Masked Singer is a a guessing game, and it's all about who's behind the mask. It's all about identity. Now, this morning we, we come to something a bit more serious, but related, because as we know, one of the major themes in the first part of Matthew's Gospel is about the identity of Jesus, the identity of Jesus. And this comes to a head in the passage that we read today from Matthew 16. Because in this passage, in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks in a very forthright way, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was the way that Jesus referred to himself. Who do people say that I am? 
Who are people saying, my identity is? And the disciples reply. And they mention that some people think that Jesus is John the Baptist. Some think he's Elijah. Some think he's Jeremiah. Some think he's, he's one of the other prophets. Now what's significant there is that those who are mentioned tend to be forerunners of the Messiah that was promised, but not the Messiah himself. So, for example, in the book of Malachi, it was, it was promised that Elijah uh, would come, a forerunner uh, to Jesus. Some people thought, therefore, that Jesus was Elijah. And so there were different views as to who Jesus might be from uh, the, great, the, the wider crowd. But then Jesus asks a more personal question. The question that really matters. Because he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Yes, these other people are saying John the Baptist and, and Jeremiah and Elijah. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And that's the key question, isn't it? You see, it's all very well, isn't it? Hearing what other people believe and who other people believe Jesus to be. But when it comes down to it, what really matters is who we profess Jesus to be. This is personal. And Simon Peter answers, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see, after the disciples had been with Jesus and, and followed him for what by what now was a significant length of time, after they'd heard his teaching, they had seen his miracles, they had spent time with him personally, they knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And he was the Son of God. Now, the disciples had already declared Jesus Son of God. If you know back in, in Matthew 14 that we looked at probably a year or so ago, when Jesus walked on the water and then he'd eventually got into the boat with Peter, it says the disciples bowed down before him and they worshipped him and declared he was the Son of God. But here in chapter 16, we have a much more profound confession. An understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who is, who is promised as a deliverer to Israel. The one that the Jews had been waiting for. But he's also the very Son of God. The one who has a uniquely intimate relationship with the only true God of the universe. And so what I want you to see is when, when Peter confessed this before Jesus, he, he was going out on a limb because it was mind-blowing to say, this, this is the Messiah. Jesus, you are the Messiah, but you're also the Son of God. But Peter declares it. And that's not to say that the disciples understand the implications of all this and all this means. But they understand that Jesus isn't just a man. He isn't just a good teacher. He isn't just a, a prophet. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And as Peter confesses this, 
The question that Jesus posed to the disciples is also pertinent to us too, isn't it? Because this is personal. We cannot rely on on Peter's faith or or another disciple's faith. We cannot rely on the, the faith of our parents or our wife or our husband or of a good friend to save us. The question of who Jesus is is personal and it matters. If it didn't matter, Jesus would never have asked the question. He would never have said to the disciples, well, who do you say I am? But he does. Now for some of us this morning, who have been Christians for a longer time or a shorter time, the answer is straightforward. When you're posed this question about Jesus, the answer is straightforward. You know, you know in your heart, you know in your soul that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. And if that is you this morning, rejoice in that. Understand how amazing it is. Because if you know that this morning, then that is all of grace. It's all of grace. You see, after Peter's confession, Jesus says to Peter that this was not revealed to Peter by flesh and blood, but was revealed by the Father. It wasn't as if, you know, Peter was so clever that he'd worked it out. It wasn't like that. It's when Peter spent time with Jesus, saw the miracles, saw Jesus teaching, that the Father was working in Peter so that Peter could see. It's about like what happens to Paul in the Damascus Road. Remember how Paul was going to persecute Christians in Damascus. He had no thought of following Jesus, but then Jesus meets with him. And remember how how Paul is blind for a a while until uh, a prophet comes to him and lays his hands on him? Ananias and the scales fall from Paul's eyes and that's almost a picture for us that before Paul was blind but now he can see he can truly see who Jesus is and if we declare Jesus as the Messiah as the Son of God that's not because we're cleverer than everyone else that's simple because God has removed the scales from our eyes so that we can see It's all of grace that God has revealed that to you. And if you know Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God this morning, rejoice in that. Really rejoice in it. But maybe as you're here this morning, you realize that you you don't really know who Jesus is. You've been to church for, for many, many years, but you really don't. or You really haven't grasped who Jesus is. Or maybe you just haven't really put too much thought into it. You see, there's a, there's a trend these days, isn't there, just to, to, to stick Jesus into the, the melting pot of other beliefs. And just to say, you know, Jesus, well, he was a good man whose, whose teaching was, you know, fairly helpful. And therefore, you're just to pick and choose your truth. Whatever will help you in your life. It's all about self-help these days. But the whole reason that Matthew has written this gospel is to debunk that myth. 
and to lift Jesus up and to show what he did in word and in action and to say, this cannot just be a good man. This cannot just be a good teacher or a prophet. But this is the very Son of God. And I encourage you today, if you really think that you haven't truly grasped who Jesus is, to read the Gospel of Matthew or read one of the other Gospels and to pray to God to open your mind and your heart to see who Jesus is. You see, we can't be lukewarm about Jesus. We can't just say, you know, oh, Jesus, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And and be unmoved. This is something that is life-changing. Think how life-changing it was for for the disciples. Life-changing in the first place when Jesus said, come and follow me. But now they're declaring Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And as we go through Matthew's gospel, we'll see what happens to Jesus. We know that the cross is going to happen. And then we come to the early church. And who's in the early church? The disciples. If they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah, if they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, then the church wouldn't have existed. They weren't lukewarm about Jesus. But they put their faith into action. And it's the same for us. We must be sure of who Jesus is. And may we with Peter say about Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And if we do, that's completely life-changing. In the most wonderful, wonderful way. And there are many who know that this morning who've experienced that in their lives. I experienced it on a football pitch when I was 11, when I knew for the first time that Jesus was real, that Jesus was my Savior. It's changed my life. It will change yours too. Now, after Peter's declaration about Jesus, I just want to reflect briefly on what Jesus says to Peter. Because after Peter has declared that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, Jesus says a number of things to to Peter, and a lot of ink has been spilt over what Jesus says to Peter. Now, the first thing we've already seen, that Jesus says to Peter that this understanding, or his understanding about um, Jesus' identity, uh, was revealed not by flesh or blood, but by the Father. And of course, that's the same for each one of us. If we're a Christian, that's because God has been working in our life. It's all of grace. Now note here, when he talks to to Peter and says that this has been revealed, not by flesh and blood, but by uh, God the Father, that Jesus doesn't call Peter, Peter. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Did you notice that? Now stick with me here, but Jesus then goes on to say in verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, there's been a lot of ink spilled over this verse. And the reason for that is that 
that Jesus seems to be investing a lot of trust in Peter here, doesn't he? On this rock I will build my church. Now, if you, of course, are a Roman Catholic, then their understanding here would be that Peter is the father of the faith to some extent, which is the reason that they have the Pope, who is the successor for Peter. Now, Because there seems to be so much invested in Peter with a Roman Catholic understanding in particular, another understanding which has developed would say that when Jesus is talking about this rock, that he's not talking about Peter, but he's talking about Peter's declaration, i.e. what Peter has just said about Jesus, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. So which is it? As we look at this verse... You know, is Jesus, when he's talking about the rock and on this rock and blah, 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 is he talking about Peter or is he talking about the declaration? Is this verse investing Peter with authority and succession of leadership, which would lead to the Roman Catholic Church having popes, or is the rock not Peter at all but his declaration? Okay, so you see the, the, the two differences. Which is it? Probably neither, incidentally. Okay, let's go with it. What's important to realize here is that there is a word play going on in this verse. I don't often take you down the Greek direction, but we'll have a wee think about it this morning, okay? Stick with it. If you're having a wee micro-snooze, we'll, we'll kind of pick it up further down the line, okay? The name Peter, Petros, in Greek means rock, But it's put in the masculine tense here in Greek. Why is that? Well, Peter is a male, yeah? Usually the word rock, okay, and the word rock as it's written here in Greek is in the feminine form, Petra. Okay, so you've got Petros and you've got Petra. And this has led some to say that because Peter's name is in the masculine form, Petros, and the word rock is feminine, Petra, that they are referring to different things. Perhaps Petra means Peter's declaration. But in Aramaic, which was the language that that Jesus would have been speaking here, the word rock would have been the same, would have been exactly the same. And so clearly, what we need to see is there is a, a word play going on here. Peter, Petros, is the rock. Petra, he is the rock. And Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And so the most natural reading of the word play here is to see that Peter is the rock and he will play a foundational role on the establishment of the early church. Now, this is completely consistent with the leadership role that Peter plays as the spokesman and leader of the twelve. When Jesus is looking for an answer, who is it that speaks up? Peter, generally speaking. Who in the early church said, look, Judas has betrayed Jesus. We need another uh, disciple. Who is it that speaks up? It's Peter. On the day of Pentecost, when the disciples are, are filled with the Holy Spirit, who is it that speaks to the crowd? Oh, it's Peter. And so what we need to see is that, that Peter has a unique function in the foundation of the church. Now note here, that doesn't mean that he builds the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. 
But Peter is important in the days of its formation. Now, if you're still with me, why is this important? Well, I want you to see how important this is in terms of how you read your Bible. Okay? Peter's foundational role was later taken to an extreme by the Roman Catholic Church, which invested Peter with an authority and succession of leadership and led to the church having popes, okay? So that would be a Roman Catholic understanding of that verse. It goes to an extreme, though. And because this happened, those who are of the Reformed Church, of which we are a part, tend to go to the opposite extreme. Oh, we don't want popes. Therefore, we'll deny that there's a clear wordplay here, and we'll say that Peter is not the rock. It's his declaration that is the rock. See how we can get mixed up here? Don Carson, a professor in uh, America, says, if it was not for Protestant reactions against the extremes of Roman Catholic interpretation, it's doubtful whether many would have taken rock to be anything or anyone other than Peter. And so what we need to see this morning is just in this one verse... We come with a lot of cultural baggage, don't we, often? Because of understandings in the past, understandings of the Catholic Church and the Reformed understanding. That's why it's so important to bring your Bible on a Sunday morning, to read it for yourself and say, well, what is Jesus truly saying here? So I want you to see is that while it's important that we don't go beyond the text and what we believe Jesus is saying about Peter, This is not Jesus saying, you know, we're going to have popes in the church. Don't go that way. Jesus is saying that Peter is foundational to the beginning of the church and is given the keys to the kingdom. In other words, what does a key do? A key opens the door, doesn't it? Peter had a mission to bring others into the kingdom of God. A total contrast to the Pharisees and Sadducees that we looked at last week who shut people out. That's all that they were about. And so what we need to see this morning, Peter declares Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus calls Peter the rock, someone who will be foundational in the early church and who will point people to come into the kingdom. And Peter's authority is directly tied to his confession. Now, of course, we are no Peters this morning. As we sit here in West Colbright or elsewhere if you're online, we are no Peters. But through the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, we are still called to go, to go and make disciples, to show people the way into the kingdom. We're still called to do that. And to show that Jesus truly is the Messiah and how we live out our lives. We still have the calling that Peter had in his life. Now there are lots of other things in this passage that we don't have time to reflect on today. Jesus saying something about the nature of the kingdom, for example, that the gates of Hades, Hades being the the realm of the dead, hell effectively, will never overcome the kingdom. And we know this, of course, because later on, Jesus would rise from the dead. Death is defeated 
by Emmanuel, as we sing in the song. And there are a few things also that we, we haven't covered this morning, binding and, and loosing, lots of things that would be worth reflecting on. But I want to finish this morning by looking at the very strange last verse in our passage today, verse 20. Where after the high point of Peter's declaration about Jesus, Jesus says to the disciples not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. That's strange, isn't it? You ever thought about that? How wonderful it is. You know, the disciples finally have worked out Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. You would think Jesus would say, look, get out there, boys. Declare it from the rooftops. But he doesn't. What does he do? He says, don't tell anyone. And Jesus does this in other places in the Gospels too. It's known as the messianic secret. But you might wonder, well, why shouldn't the disciples speak about Jesus being the Messiah? After all, that, that would be a good thing. More people would surely come to believe and trust in Jesus. Maybe we're a bit puzzled by this. And it is puzzling, isn't it? But God willing, hopefully, when we look at next week's passage, things will come become a bit clearer as to why Jesus said, keep it to yourselves. You see, even though the disciples understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, do they truly understand what Jesus has come to do? Do they truly understand what the nature of the Messiah is? Well, I'm going to give no spoilers away. You'll just have to come back next Sunday. Because next Sunday, Peter the Rock turns into the stumbling block. That's what we'll be thinking about. But for today then, who do we say Jesus is? Do we declare him the Messiah? The Son of God? The very Savior that we need? The Lord of our life? You're blessed if you do. Only the Lord himself could reveal that to you. And if you do confess Jesus as Lord, we are called to join Jesus in building the kingdom. We are called to go to make disciples and to draw people into the kingdom in the sure and certain conviction that the gates of hell will never overcome the kingdom. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this day. And we thank you for the directness in which Jesus approaches the disciples and asks them who he is. And Father, as we read this passage today, you come to us with that same directness, asking us, who do we believe Jesus to be? Lord God, we recognize that we cannot understand truly who Jesus is in our own strength, in our frail humanity and in our weakness. Only you can reveal yourself to us. Only you can reveal Jesus to us 
in the same way that you revealed Jesus to the disciples. And Father, as we come before you this morning, if we do know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, if we put our faith and trust in him, we pray that we would rejoice in our salvation this day. But if we come to worship today and maybe we're confused, we don't really understand who Jesus is, or maybe we have some understanding, but it's not really coming to our hearts and we feel lukewarm about Jesus, Lord, we pray that you would stir us once more, that we might put our faith and trust in Jesus, and that we would be passionate about him. And Lord God, we thank you for the rest of this passage. Some of it's confusing, partly because of cultural baggage and biblical understanding over years and disputes between denominations. But Father, help us to see the calling that was placed upon Peter's life as the rock, foundational to the early church, a clear leadership role given the keys to the kingdom. And Father, as we believe and trust in Jesus, as we confess him as the Messiah, the Son of God, you also give us a role, a role to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us the strength and the willingness to do exactly that, to declare the kingdom in our words and in their actions, that others too might come into the kingdom of God. And we thank you for the assurance, Lord God, that no matter how difficult things are in the church, and things are tricky even in the Church of Scotland at this time, with so many changes, that we can trust in terms of your kingdom that the gates of hell will never overcome it. Heavenly Father, help us to trust in that promise this day. So, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word and encourage us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.